0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a PGA of Alberta podcast series and today's episode on golf operations on the golf course and in the clubhouse. We're here today from the Highlands Golf Club, thanks to uh, Landon Hargraves and Taylor Van Tegem for hosting us. So, we'll start with some brief introductions. Uh, First, we'll start with the director of golf at the Royal Mayfair, Matt Johnson. Uh, He's been at the club since 2014, a current member of the PGA of Alberta uh, board. Uh, as our vice president. Uh, master professional for one of the better companies in the bids, Callaway Golf. Uh, former head golf professional um, at the Windermere Club from 2009 to 2013. He's also an associate at the British Greens uh, and assistant at the Derrick Club. A die-hard Oiler fan and one heck of a defenseman. I do know from experiences he kind of built me out a few times in the North-South uh, annual hockey game. Uh, we also have Mr. Wade Peckham, the head superintendent at the Royal Mayfield Golf Club since September of 2010. uh, Wade's been in the golf uh, turf care business for 38 years. Not not dating you Wade here. Uh, 30 of those years have been in the Edmonton area. Uh, University of Alberta alum. He's had the pleasure of hosting four Canadian tour events at the Ranch Golf Course where he spent eight years. Was also uh, the head superintendent here at the Highlands Golf Club for 10. Um, Had the pleasure of hosting the 2013 CN Women's Canadian Open. Uh, and a 2019 recipient of the AGSA's Distinguished Service Award uh, and once was traded for a bag of pucks in junior B hockey. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's, uh, it's really nice to have you here today and, and, and welcome. Thank you for your time. Thank
1: you. Good thank to you. be here. Yeah, thank you for hosting us and uh, looking forward to the chat.
0: Yeah, it'll be good and, and just to kind of outline what we're going to speak on today's episode is, is some communication styles, leadership qualities and some traits they look for. Um, again as our episodes entitled on the golf course in the clubhouse really wanted to talk to two reputable gentlemen about how they go about their, their daily operations throughout not only the, the course of the, the season when we're playing golf but in the off season and, and what their long-term plans would be and, and all that maintenance so again it should be a great episode here today and I, I truly hope you take a, a little bit of information um, along with this so you know, you know I'm gonna start right off guys you've been working together for now eight years and I just wanted to know and our viewers to know what are the top three um, keys to this continued successful relationship uh, being able to provide a world-class golf course and conditions to the membership at the Mayfair
2: you go first it's
1: like a dating dating uh, questionnaire here uh, see if we get them <laughs> right the same thing right well I think um, uh, you know Wade and I both come from the similar point of view. We we're, we both like to be hands on and, and we're there a lot. Um, uh, a little known fact about myself is I came from the turf care side of things a little bit. My dad actually built the ranch where Wade worked at for uh, for eight years. And so I think when you have some some experience in the other person's field, it, it, it establishes a bond right away and feels comfortable talking about things. but. Um, basically Wade and I talk communication, communication, communication. Those are the top three. How's that and, uh, and respect communication. And respect, I think is really what we build our relationship off of. And I don't know, Wade, do you want to add to that? Uh,
2: I, I agree 100% Matt and I talk constantly almost to the point of annoyance for him. I think, um, it starts early in the morning and it kind of ends at night. And there's so much going on and uh, the members need to know what's going on between both of our groups. And I depend on Matt for input from the members because they're not talking to me a lot. They really open up to Matt and it's, he, he's honest with me, I think, I hope, uh, and allows us to keep progressing moving forward. So he's, he's a good guy, he's got a great sense of humor. And like Matt said, we both, I've been around a long time and we understand the golf business i think that's critical in this market
1: you know i was speaking with uh, another professional um just a while back that that told me that him and his superintendent do not talk uh rarely and they talk by a text and that is kind of it and that that just that's a that's disappointing to hear that that you're working on the same team going for a championship and you can't and you can't find common ground so i think um you know Wayne and I's relationship has always been strong and um, you know he's in my office once a day at least but via text throughout the day like he said and so again everything we do in life is about communication and and as long and we feel comfortable
2: with our open lines of communication. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not always smooth sailing either. Yeah. Uh, Matt's more laid back than I am. I'm pretty intense and I think he lets me he kind of helps me out with that. He kind of brings me down a notch. Uh, and I appreciate that because uh, it's you know, our jobs are tough and Matt's uh, I'm, a, I'm an ear for Matt at times you know I sympathize with him I, I don't understand how you guys can do that job <laughs> it's you're dealing with people and I deal with people a little a, a lot but most of mine is agronomics but you guys are I admire you guys it's, it's a tough job you have dealing with uh, the public and the membership. And you do a great
0: job of that communication. I had the pleasure of, um, you know, reading some of your blogs from, from back in the day throughout the course of the season, kind of updating your membership at, at certain facilities, and you guys both hit um, very key points, and I hope everyone that's listening today takes, uh, takes that away is, is that communication and the constant texting, sitting down in the office, making sure that you're on the same page. Um, you know, obviously, with, with Matt, you know, being in front of the house, you know speaking with members dealing with members hearing those critiques i'm sure you both sit at the same greens committee meeting and and, and different committees uh, throughout the course of the year but uh, again that's that's something that is very important and uh, i'm very hopeful that everyone's going to take that away communication communication and respect right from mr johnson and mr peckham there himself now you know from what i what i gather um, and maybe you guys can share a little bit about this and and how you go forward about it and maybe you know wade's got a little bit more pull than, than Matt, but working currently with with mr Doug carrick in, in a restoration project you know for those um that don't know the history of of the royal mayfair they're they're celebrating their centennial birthday on may 27th of uh, 2022 uh currently ranked number 57 in canada um recently had some some less verba renovations back in in 1988 and it's hosted a slew of championships over the years, a, a PGA Canadian Open in 58, um, again, two um, Canadian Women's Open tw- 2007 and 2013. Um, really cool to note that in, in 1980, the PGA of Canada Championship was held and, and won by Arnold Palmer, uh, numerous Canadian amateurs and Alberta amateurs over the year. So, you know, working on a, on a restoration project, where do you see that vision going and And is it a collaboration, obviously, between the two of you and and what that membership wants? And, and, you know, how do you kind of handle that?
2: You you said it really well. Um, The membership has wanted change. They've wanted, they've seen the other clubs, they see the work going on in the the U.S. and Canada some of these bigger-name architects. Um, And they see potential at Mayfair that is untapped. Les Ferber went in there and redesigned it. To call it Stanley Thompson, maybe just the layout. I mean, you come from Jasper. There are two different birds. And a lot of the, I, I hate to use the word younger, but the membership that is gonna be there well into the future, these guys and these ladies wanna see change. They wanna see us become something special by trying to incorporate the old Stanley Thompson with modern Technology, uh, or work with architecture, and I think Doug Carrick he under- he understands that. Uh, a lot of his proteges are working along that line, like Ian Andrews, and they want us The members want to see a different bunker look, you know, less of bunkers, bunkers moved. Uh, green sites not so much. They're trying to get a little length out of the property, but it, we're really we're hamstrung because we're. fenced in there's really nowhere to go so we get a little bit of distance but you can change the golf course and make it more difficult at the same time making it more fair for uh, the newer golfers or the people that are getting older Um, we had to listen to the members so we had uh, ted Locke come in there and do some work while we were renovating in 10 and 11 with irrigation mostly and some bunkers but uh, members want to see something different along the lines back to Stanley Thompson we had a member he said we have a bunch of he he the analogy was we have an Audi we have a, a Volkswagen and we have a Porsche part and we have a Chevrolet part here and there he said we'll get someone to come in get the right design and then we'll have one Porsche you know like one unit that is all through the property there's not bits and pieces here and there I really like that analogy and what Doug Carrick has come up with happens all the time because you have a different eye come to the golf course and go this is what we can do you look at the plan as members and Matt and I we go I did not see that at all and then you start to go wow this is gonna be great when can we start well we got a clubhouse in the way right but I'm really looking forward to once this clubhouse is done moving into that phase of Mayfair and changing it and you know I won't be there when it's all finished and said and done but I'll be there in the start for a lot of it and I can't wait to see what Mayfair becomes in 10 years so said a lot Matt sorry.
1: you did yeah um I think and not, and not that this is podcast is about the Mayfair or anything like that but I, I do think um what we enjoy is is our input is valued there very valued and so you know, I had the opportunity of working with Doug Carrick at Windermere as he does their long range plan as well and it was exciting to be able to um, collaborate with him and Wade and our, our Greens Committee on, on, on the remaining of it. Um, again, we're not blowing Mayfair up or anything like that by any means, but these subtle tweaks are so exciting to feel like the looks of Jasper and whatnot, just the bunkering. And and whatnot. So yeah, super exciting time to be a part of the club. A brand new clubhouse coming in the next eighteen months. Our hundredth year anniversary, and very progressive. And and I think you'll want to um, work at a place that's very progressive and challenging.
0: No, it's two fantastic answers. And and again, this isn't directly uh, for the Royal Mayfair and and, and plugging on that. But um, just really kind of answered into the the next question I wanted to talk about. And it was that long term planning and. And you know, Matt, kind of a question for you, being front of the house, um, you know, speaking with a lot of members. What is that uh, that ideology behind hosting more tour events? Do they, you know, with this long-term restoration project, and you know, as as Wade alludes to in that kind of Porsche, Volkswagen, Ferrari kind of analogy, um, is there that want um, from the membership from the club to to put the Royal Mayfair uh, back on the map with a whether it's a PGA Tour event or a, a Champions Tour event or, or bringing back the LPGA, um, what's that sort of long-term goal encompassing into that as well?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, what I've noticed being at Mayfair for eight years now is how proud the members are to be members at Mayfair and how proud they are of the property. And they get excited when somebody doesn't consider it one of the better clubs in Canada. And um, and that's great to have a membership that, that does that. And so. They are proud to to host national events. Um, they want to host national events in the future. Unfortunately, we actually had it was going to be a really cool thing. We were going to host the 2020 PGA of Canada Championship to honor uh, the last time Arnold Palmer won in 1980. Um, then COVID got in the way. So definitely, the club is looking to to host major events again in the future. Um, the members support it. They want it and, and they're excited to show off the property to, to future uh, members and, and the golfing public. Um, but going into long range planning, I think you know, as me being front of house, I have to listen more than I talk. Um, I think all of us have opinions on where we work and what we think would look the best, but mm-hmm. I think we have to realize that we're not the stakeholders of the property and uh, we truly have to listen to, to what, what our members want or what our golfers want and then um, maybe maybe turn it around a little bit and put our expertise edge on it and just to clean it up a little bit
0: oh awesome how, how excited are you guys for the new golf club
1: i'm probably more excited than wade obviously he gets to stay uh, in full capacity for the next uh, year and a half um, so what we're doing at, at the club is is we've just got a pass actually we're about a week away from demolition on the old beautiful clubhouse but um, You know, we have a huge project ahead of us a year and a half. It's going over our centenary, which is too bad. But um, again, progressive thinking by the board, they didn't want a birthday to get in the way of of progression. So um, we are looking to have a great new facility with new dining facility, pro shop, and uh, golf performance center is what I'm most excited about. So we'll have two to four simulators, a group fitness area, and uh, um, a functional fitness area as well. And I think it will just elevate our brand more and more. and so we've always said the last eight years, we've said the course and what Wade's done with the condition of the course is a 9 out of 10. Uh, the operation we feel is pretty strong as well, but our clubhouse we always felt was a 4 out of 10 and we needed it to match the rest of the facility. Uh, golf course is always number one priority for us. We understand that we are a golf club and that's why we've already started this next long range plan with Doug, but the, the clubhouse was um, it was time to sharpen it up.
2: Yeah, you know, I can't wait. I've never been involved in a clubhouse reno reconst- rental or reconstruction. I left Highlands just as they were starting. I think they started this a year after I left this clubhouse. And look at the view, it's beautiful. I mean the old clubhouse was horrible. And uh, this is the Highlands did a great thing and I think Mayfair I've seen I can't wait to see it, is all I can say. Especially the the vistas that are gonna be around from one to eighteen to twelve and that patio section there is just there'll be nothing like it I feel anyway yeah, I think city, you both said city city. it
0: pretty good like being progressive and progressive minded wouldn't working with your membership to you know as your centennial birthday it's right in the middle of, of this big project and you know I think it's it's key to have that communication and be open and, and have that progressiveness to to get to that end goal as as quickly as you can to to bring it back up to that level of have everything at eleven of the ten which you know you you've you've got course conditions the membership the staff everything like that so no, that's that's some fantastic stuff there guys and and I really hope uh, you know our viewers took away you know right back to the beginning of the communication that's between uh, Matt and Wade on a day-to-day basis and just wanted to jump in now to some more specific questions um, for each of these gentlemen you know I'm gonna start with uh, Mr. Peckham here and you know it's a question that I haven't heard a lot and I've spoken with a few people over the years, but, you know, why and when did you decide that you wanted to be a golf course superintendent, and is there an individual out there that, that may have influenced you uh, during your younger days starting out? I,
2: no, there isn't actually. I, I took a, a, a different route. Um, I was at the U of A studying sciences, zoology, and I started working here. My hockey coach got me a job here, used to be a member here passed away since then, Art East League, and I always wanted to be a golfer like you guys, but I, am you know, I got that loft problem, so (laughs) um, I was okay at it, but I knew damn well that there was no hope, right, so I'm going to U of A, I start work here, and I get my hands dirty on the golf course, I think I started watering, but with hoses, they didn't have an irrigation system to speak of, I loved it, I just fell in love with it right away, the gentleman working here, his name was Max Nelson. I guess I do owe it to him because he—he was great. I don't know about his technical skills. He was old, old school. I think he lives in Texas now, actually. Um, but he—he uh, he allowed me to make a ton of mistakes. I wasn't even the assistant at the time. I just. I started moving up. Started reading. I started absorbing any information I could. He sent me to conferences because I'd had enough school. Mm -hmm. I'd been in school four years in university, and you know that's sixteen years. But I just read and I read and I trial by air, fire and I guess fire and air, whatever you want to call it, but (laughs) trial by fire. And uh, I got lucky too. He he left, and then I left and ended up at Sandpiper they were looking for some young guy that didn't want to make any money I didn't last there long because it was it was in rough shape financially Monty Koenig hired me at the ranch and again I I just kept made a few errors did things right as well worked my butt off and got I applied for this position at one point but I got turned down it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I wasn't ready for a private club so I went. I was stated. I may have mixed up the timeline, but I'm still at the ranch. And then this opened up again, and I got hired. And I really honed my craft here. I believe. I'm still working my butt off, a lot harder than maybe I should have. Family suffered. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, my wife was a superintendent for 20 years as well, so you can imagine that going down. Uh, and kids. And it was. It was. You know, the kids missed out. But anyway, I got a call from Ted Locke, who's working at Mayfair. He goes, Debbie's, Debbie has left the club, Debbie Amaro. I had no intention of, hiring, of applying at Mayfair at all. But he tweaked me, and I said, okay, I'll try. And long story short, I got hired, and it's been 11 years of further honing my craft and trying to make less mistakes. But I've got the wisdom now. And I have the resources there that help. Uh, there's a lot more, uh, well, I, I guess they respect my experience and my track record. And there's a little more money. Money makes the world go round. Yeah, no, makes for job sure. job a lot easier. Yeah, and, uh, sleep better know, at night. Pretty damn good manager. They work for Wade and Like, I, you know, I've worked for them a long time and me and him have got along well. We've had our bumps and bruises, but, uh, and then Matt came along that's my story and i want to stay there as long as i can i feel no need to move and i want to stay i want to stay fresh and i want to stay innovative that's part of you know we're using drones we've got gps technology and you know i've got an assistant ashley that's very uh, innovative and progressive uh, she's helping me out and we hire the right people too so oh,
0: that's awesome that's a it's a great story and you know, to come, kind of go back and forth and, and to take away from that, you know, hard work, dedication, you know, get your hands dirty, uh, trial by error. You know, something didn't work one day, you go back the next and and really kind of stick with it and, and you know, look at where you've ended up today. As I mentioned, uh, when we first got going, a very reputable and respected man within the industry of, of golf superintendents and, and won that uh, Distinguished Service Award in 2019. And, you know, it kind of rolls into my next question here, Wade. And, and you know, what are some of the main skills that, you know, you look at when you're trying to provide that, that world class conditioned golf course like the Royal Mayfair, what are those top three traits when you're hiring your staff? And you know, whether that's a mechanic or an assistant or you know, a laborer that's out there every morning making sure bunkers are pristine or cups are, are freshly painted, you know, what are those top three
2: traits you look for from, from your hiring staff? Well, for hourly, we go by uh, you can uh, teach aptitude, you can't teach attitude so attitude is critical i don't care if they have zero experience if they are happy friendly have some intelligence because it is demanding job and they're running equipment that's worth some of that stuff 70 80 100 grand right um and they're willing to learn and willing to we're not asking to work 10 hour days they just work their normal everyday shift we hire enough people that there isn't a lot of overtime. We, d- we hate overtime, it's expensive. As do I, mean, I. absolutely. Right, we don't want overtime. And I don't think you'd, you're that effective after a certain amount of time on the golf course, myself included. Um, so, and then the mechanic, like I'm hiring a mechanic, Ian's retiring this year. Uh, I need some skill, but they're very, very hard to come by. So I'll find an auto mechanic and we'll train them with our you know Oak Creek and the Toro reps, John Deere reps, they'll help us out. My assistant, Ashley, um, I hired, when I hired her, I was looking for someone that could become the first assistant, the senior assistant, and that worked out well. And she's, as far as I'm concerned, she's ready to be a superintendent anywhere, but I, I, don't, I don't want her to leave because she makes me look good, and we're a good team. We, we scrap, we don't get along well all the time, but that's perfect, you want that. I don't need yes people, and she she's there to push me and to maybe do things, to ask for things that, you know, I'll push back we can't, but she'll, she'll get me moving. So, basically, I want intelligence, I want happy and friendly, and I want a good attitude. That's it, that's all we need. We're not performing brain surgery here.
0: No, absolutely, so. and, and for those that uh, missed that, remember, you can teach aptitude, you just can't teach attitude. The wise words from Wade Beckham right mm-hmm. there. Now I don't want you to re- reveal all your tricks of the trade here, but I don't have any. Yeah. what's the what's the 12-month cycle look at for Obviously, you know, being in Edmonton, being in Alberta, you know that, that season is shorter than you know whether it's on the west coast or maybe back in Ontario or, or even further south, you know. But what does that um, outline kind of look like when you get going? Maybe February, March, getting everything ready, the equipment, uh, waiting for the snow to melt and, and get out there. You know, could you outline maybe some of your kind of cutting schedules, the heights of the fairways and greens? Like, do you have a progressive goal of a date you want to reach, or does a lot have to do with you know how the conditions came out through the winter and, yep. and kind of moving forward on that? I, I could talk for an
2: hour, and I'm not going I'll, to. I'll, I'll, I'll be <laughs> quick. We don't we don't have an hour. We don't have an hour. So we'll start. The problem with us in Alberta, we start from zero every April. It's like reset. So we got to come out of the winter and hope to God we're in. Fairly good condition. And we'd start that way back in the fall by covering our greens with that green jacket system, with the air pocket underneath, ice shield on top, because our weather is totally unpredictable. Now, it's way different than when I first started, where you could have it snow and walk away. Those days are gone, in my opinion. Climate change is here. Um, So we prepare them for the winter. Uh, We'll blow air under them throughout the winter. We also have to, we have skating on number 10 so we have to, we have made a little Zamboni. That takes a lot of work. We have our ski trails throughout the club that are both open to the, obviously for the membership but our lease demands that we allow the public as well and they're welcome out there. Uh, that's that's a, a big job. It's a lot harder than it looks or sounds. And then we do, a, we're on an overgrown golf course, uh, heavily, heavily treed. Uh, so we're trying to prune back tee shots, landing areas. So we'll do that all winter. It depends on the weather. I mean, you can't go out there when it's minus 30. The staff, a couple guys, and I think we, I carry five with our horticulturists, um, well, they'll work on equipment or prep for the spring coming up. So we go through the winter. It goes pretty quick. I mean, we take our holidays. We do our professional development, you know, just same as your profession. Uh, spring comes along and it's a timing thing, okay? When do we take these covers off We make that decision? Off they go. Cross your fingers, uh, everything worked out and it's been pretty good for the last couple years. This tarp system we had to, uh, you know, there's a little learning curve there, Um, but I think us and all the other clubs we got her down pat for this this climate, for the Edmonton area. Um, And then uh, as the course comes up, the weather heats up and things start to grow, we just I don't change the fairway height. We cut it at 425, 0.425 all year. We just leave them. Because we have annual bluegrass poa fairways, and they don't tend to, we got to cut them short because there is Kentucky bluegrass in there and then it sticks up like a sore thumb. So we keep it tight. Tees are mostly bent grass, managed to keep them bent. Uh, they're down, I think, I'm not sure my height's on 0.300. It's, it, they're short. Um, the greens are just a slow progression. I think we left off at 1.135 and tricks of the trade. I only, I only mow at 0. 0.110 right now, the last two years. I haven't had to lower them. We, we roll a lot, we top dress when we need to. Not every two weeks, I used to, but we've changed a bit. I won't go into why, um, but I found that with the feedback from the members, we don't have to go any lower with the height. And I feel they they roll pretty true and I think I that's what I depend on Matt I want to hear back and they'll tell me to the better go too slow or whatever and I'll, I'll make that decision at the time but the last two years we've been able to keep the height up a bit which is more healthier for the turf absolutely you know when you head down to point one zero zero in the States they're at or even in Calgary they're under point one zero zero it it boggles my mind how low we're cutting grass but if I have to I will and I can but I don't know what the return on investment is because you've got a lot of members that can't handle that uh, You can't just uh, cater to five percent of these members and I'll tell them that too. I said look you guys like, Those people out there aren't enjoying themselves, right? And it's I have to think of the entire membership, but again, like I said, Matt's got to tell me so throughout the summer, we're just doing what we do all the clubs were all the same you know, applying our knowledge and the new technology, I drone fly the golf course. We left. We haven't done it for the last two years because of the pandemic. It's an American company, but we're starting again next year. Gives us the imagery we need, and I, I tell you what, I, I needed it badly this summer. It was in a, It was too bad we didn't have that drone because I think we overwatered the golf course in that real 37 degree weather. Oh, we were erring on the side of caution. Yes. And annual bluegrass poa you got to. You can cook it. So when it's 37 above and it's 50K winds, and you're like, you, you it's difficult to resist the urge to flood it because you, Poland needs water. But you're like, well, you can also boil it. We, ha- we had some mistakes here and there, and we pay for our water. We're using municipal supply. And I think with that drone, even though it's costing us, you know, 6,500 US for six months of use, maybe I could have saved 10 grand worth of water. So I don't know yet. I'll look at those numbers when, uh, EPCOR gives us, they haven't built us yet this year for some reason, but maybe they're listening to this podcast. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so we're using these technologies and just go through the summer, and then all of a sudden it's fall again, and we're applying our winter protection on the turf, and we're covering the greens. And uh, it's taken, well, eight years to go from closing at the end of October to now basically the middle of October. We condition the members. Covering the greens takes time so and putting chemicals down protectants i don't want them out there and they don't want to be so oh, the weather can it. change so rapidly right in october right now. so it's just you're right one second it's like that so we want to be ready so we have the best start for next season and that's our year in a nutshell and i talk about a lot so.
0: uh, it's a lot of similarities between uh, what we're doing in jasper when it comes to the winter and cross-country <laughs> ski trails and Maybe not so much uh, you know, tree pruning, but removing some of the, the pine beetle damaged trees that are unfortunately um, yeah, sure. kind of dying off, but a lot of similarities and, and you know, that last point I think is, is very key that you know, was taught to me at a, a very young age and as a golf professional is, is that communication with the membership and, and that kind of conditioning of understanding that yes, you're going to close two weeks earlier, but the amount of work that can get done in that two weeks further puts you ahead and, and sets you up for success. In the following season, they get a full,
2: you know, six months Especially out there, Especially so. this year, because yeah. it didn't snow, and it's been a beautiful first, you know, end of October, part of November. We've done a lot of work that I think the members will, they may not see it right away, but they'll, they'll go, oh, geez, look what they've done. We've done it, we've cleaned it up. It may not be sitting there in the spring where it, we, we could have done the work, then I mean, we'd have to clean it up. So it's it's been it's been a good year to be closed and get this work done and la nina is coming through so
0: cold and lots of snow apparently out west and you know i haven't had the pleasure of playing the mayfair in in uh, quite some time now but you know being down in jasper uh, seeing a lot of the members it's it's highly talked about we have a actually a couple that are dual members and and just highly spoken about, Wade, with the course conditions, uh, you know, year in, year out and each uh, each month of the season. So, you know, kudos to yourself, kudos to Ashley and your team, and, and you do a great job. And I appreciate you answering, uh, answering some of those questions. And I really feel that, uh, you know, some of the members that may not have known that, that other side of, of superintending, um, you know, takes a little bit away. And um, thank
2: you for, for all that. I appreciate that. And likewise with Jasper, one of my favorites.
0: Kudos to Mr. Barr and Mr. Griffiths on that one, if they're listening. Um, On to Mr. Johnson, Matt, still here? Still here with us? Are we done this loving with the wait yet? (laughs) So, you know, going into your uh, your eighth season here in 2022, and you know, you've had a continued success in delivering uh, world-class experiences in uh, product, your membership. You've you've pumped out some really good young golf professionals. You know, uh, Taylor Van Tegum, you know, hosting us here at the Highlands uh, to name one. You know, what are, in your opinion, that that main skill set, similar to what I kind of chatted with Wade about, when you're looking at hiring, what are those three traits that uh, you look for in individuals that uh, come to you for for an opportunity?
1: Yes, um, you know, just thinking back on my time, it's funny how you're you're your own biggest critic, but it's the Mayfair has produced these golf professionals. I don't like to think I have done anything to do with that, but... Um, modest man no it's it's true you, you hire for success and so you know when I'm looking at someone I want to be able to know that I can develop a personal relationship with that person so I can trust them um, I want to know that they're passionate about the business I asked them what their six-month three-year five-year plan is and and some have it some don't um, but I, I just want to know that they're in it they're in it for the long haul and this is a career not a job for them and once we have that we can do anything we want with that. Um, again, you can't teach attitude like Wade says, so uh, you have to be somewhat personal. Our operation is based all on relationship building. And I say that time and time again to to the people that we work with is, you know, I could build the nicest spreadsheet in the world and a lot of golf pros are very <laughs> proud of their spreadsheets, but the members don't care about the spreadsheets that I build. They care yeah. if I know their kids' names, they care if I know their job, um, what their tendencies are what they like and so i would challenge some of our service isn't world class but our members think it is because of the relationship building that our staff has done um with them you know our back shop for example uh, they can do no wrong they're getting fed twice a day by members bringing stuff in as thank yous and all it is is because they've developed a relationship with the membership and that's kind of the key uh to success at our place and i think at a lot of places is you know, you want to feel important when you get on property and you can do that by having a nice wet towel and everything ready for you nicely or you can do that by saying hi and using your name and asking how your kids are and, and that kind of stuff. So that's what we try to build there. And that's what I look for in, uh, you know, experience. If I'm if I'm looking for somebody to be my right hand, I need some experience because I need some trust in and I'm taking over uh, the day to day and then um, attitude. You know and and that figure it out factor I think that's really important you know when I interview you know I'll test their prob- problem-solving techniques you know if, if they if they um, get scared away from a problem you know that that's a red flag but if if they're willing to come up with a solution any solution that it is um, I think it's very important a, a kind of a figure out attitude you know because I'm not going to be there every day all day and so they'll be in situations that I'll support them with but um, if they can figure out an answer. You, you got to empower
0: them. Empower yeah, them. Make them yeah. feel empowered to make that decision, and you know it, it may not be the right decision at the time, but at least if making that attempt to, to be empowered and and to kind of walk through those steps, it's a learning experience. And, and as you mentioned, it's a it's more of a career uh, than than just a job for six, eight, twelve months, whatever it may be, whatever your your hiring cycle is. But um, is that career development and, and kind of?
1: Absolutely. And, and like you say, they can make bad decisions, and that's how we learn in life. And uh, I'm going to tell you, not any of their decisions are going to hurt anybody physically or emotionally. It just might be an annoyance to somebody for five minutes. So it's not the end of the world, and that's exactly – I learn from it. We learn from it. Everybody learns from it when we make good or bad decisions. Absolutely. I learned a lot
0: there. Uh, I think it's now four years ago, playing defense with with Matt, what not to do when I'm on the ice with him. And, and pinching was uh, was not cool with him, so <laughs> – um, you know what? Same thing I asked Wade there. You know what got you involved in the industry many years ago, and um, you know, is there someone directly responsible for you choosing that career path to to be a club professional? Hey, maybe you you were trying to be a, a touring professional at one point, but no. but what uh, <laughs> at what point did you make that transition? And you knew you were going to be a club professional, and this is what you wanted to do uh, the rest of your life. You know, I've been
1: I've been so lucky in my in my career because I did not come from that side. I, I was a junior golfer at Inglewood in Calgary. I wasn't very good. I might have, might have gotten down to six or seven or eight handicap. Depends if I was cheating or not that year. Um, but my dad was involved in golf course construction and, and design and so out of high school, I worked with him for five years and I really still do love that side of the business. It's just a hard business to operate in. You're all over the, you can be all over the world or you can be unemployed quite quickly. Hard to grow up doing that. Um, so that was my passion. I wanted to become Wade Peckham. That was really what I wanted to become. I worked well, at who Sil- exactly. <laughs> I worked at Silver Springs grounds crew when I was nineteen, twenty. And then I worked on golf course building uh, or construction for a few years as well and I just couldn't get over the fact that I had to go to Fairview College or Olds College to to continue my education. I could go to Guelph but I was a little too worried to leave the nest that far Um, and then I started dating my wife at the time she was from Edmonton I was in Calgary and it just was an excuse to come move to Edmonton really to go to golf pro school. So you have
0: have both sides you have that that uh, kind of course knowledge Uh, maybe that's why yourself and Wade get along so well and
1: I think it's important to be able to talk the same language. I, I think, I don't know if Wade does, or if he even recognizes that fact. I think it's important that I can jump on a Bobcat or a skid steer and be able to do whatever I need to do or turn off a sprinkler head that's stuck on, on a Saturday afternoon. And, Very I, just um, and I appreciate it. Too. Yeah. So I think, I think that is important. I think it's, you know, and, and I like knowing that knowledge, but, um, so yeah, I came to Empton, never been in a pro shop, never worked in a pro shop. Never, I didn't even know I had backdrop storage in Englewood for six years. I didn't even know what it was. And I came to Edmonton to go to the golf program. And uh, again, lucky, I met Trevor Goplin from the Derrick Club. His first year as head pro at the Derrick Club, which I think is 2003 now. Um, he hired me as this green assistant because I was a bartender at Century Growth. So he figured I could talk to people. And uh, you know, you can say the rest is history. So obviously Trevor's still one of my best friends to this day. and and still a mentor to me. He's been there almost 20 years now. Um, you know, I worked with him for about four and a half years, worked with some characters along the way and some people that influenced my career, like Dean Sklarenko, um, who's at Picture Butte, obviously. And then he, Dean actually left and he went to Picture Butte and I was kind of, all of a sudden became Trevor's right hand man. And that lasted a few months. And then Ron Lauer had an opening at Pirtis, and, um at that time, it was to work for the best and, and, and find the best. And, you know, still with Trevor to this day, I, I talked to Trevor. I said, Well, I think I got a job opportunity at Pritis. And without hesitation, Trevor just said, See ya. You got to go. You, you have to take that opportunity. If, if you want to become a head pro somewhere, you've got to take that opportunity. So I think I was also fortunate enough that I felt no qualms of moving from Edmonton to Calgary or moving around, where you see a lot of professionals in our profession. They want to stay in their city and and that's fine. That's their choice. But I had no problems picking up my wife and I and dogs and moving to a different city. And so moving back home for me was easy. For my wife, it wasn't as easy. You know, it took her six or seven months to adjust and meet people. But I got to work for Ron Lauer for two years, Ken Staswich, Stuart Williamson, Sean Lavoie. They're all part of the crew back then. Um, You know, just it was such it was like going to university again, right? and and Pritis is always um, going to be up there with experiences of of what to know it's it's a factory there Uh, Ron's produced I think over a dozen head pros from his career and he knew why I was there he knew I was there to get to the next level and so I had a goal when I was young like I joined the association when I was 24 or 25 so I was a little older but I had a goal to be a private club head pro by the time I was 30 and I was going to do everything I could to put myself in position for that. I didn't know if it was going to be happen, but I, you know, I got involved. I met people, I I networked. And um, and then fortunate enough in 2009, Wade Houdimou hired me at Windermere as the head pro. Uh, spent five great years there. Wade moved on to Mayfair in 2011. And uh, when there was an opening at Mayfair in 2014, I, I really wanted to go work for Wade again and work for Mayfair. And what's funny is, mayfair's job was open 2009 as well and i never even looked at it you know i thought i thought i didn't belong at a club like that right and it's just interesting to see how your career changes and so yeah so as i've been at mayfair for eight years now i've taken on many different roles um like wade peckham says we work for a great manager who allow lets us do anything we want within reason and he just wants and he's he trusts us to do it and i think that's the best part is uh, we don't feel like we need permission from dad to do much uh, he's, he's our, that full autonomy to, he's our to cheerleader he's he's our cheerleader yeah. if anything so uh, he trusts our expertise and that's what's so much fun to work with this team and uh, yeah quick eight years and i'm here, here i am today so well, and, I've, yeah I've so i owe it a a to there
0: it's, uh, he's a pretty outstanding gentleman i got on my left and my right here that uh, have been in this industry for for a long time and, and worked their way up through the ranks you know, as Matt just alluded to, working for some incredible professionals within our association in this province, gaining that knowledge. You know, as you said, going back to university. At, you know, how old were you when you went down the Prittis there, right? So, you know, you know I'll kind of start wrapping things up here. And I wanted to ask the both of you what is the proudest moment you've had, um, you know, at the Royal Mayfair? Which, for those that may not know, it, it got its royal status in 2005. Um, but wade matt what would be your proudest moment in your in your tenure and 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 i'm sure you're gonna be there for 10 15 years the way you guys talked here today which is phenomenal but uh it's one of the proudest moments
1: yeah like i think career wise i think it's seeing uh people that work with me go on to positions they want to go on to career so like you know starting with christy larson my retail manager who was with me for 11 years uh, she's taken on her own Programming now as, as one of our reps and uh, I know most of you know her as a as a rep now And she's probably one of the best in the business then tyler wilner the next year moving from us to Lakeside and then jeremy la going to northern bear and taylor go- coming here to highlands like that's you know You feel like you've done something right even if it's not me It might be the facility <laughs> But it's nice to be part of a team where people can succeed and 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 then they want to come here now I've got some other great pros that, that I work with and uh, you know The most proud thing, I I think, though, is I came there in 2013, 2014, and um, they weren't sure how they wanted to to tackle this uh, golf instruction part at Mayfair. They they had, you know, Jacob Karchi was there, Mike Bellin was there, and, and, you know, they kind of did their thing. And so, but I was mandated by Wade and the board to make this a world class teaching uh, area. So we, we moved Mike into a full time teaching role. We've gone from doing about $50,000 a year in lessons to well over 200,000 now. We employ, we employ three full-time teaching professionals. That's awesome. Which for an 18 hole private club facility is, I think is, is tremendous. I think teaching professionals are, are, are um, voice to the game. I think there are celebrities on the pro side of things. You see them on Golf Channel. And so that's what teaching people how to play golf and enjoying the game more creates more engagement in the membership, creates more members, creates more juniors, creates everybody wanting to be a part of the game. And I think that's what I'm most proud of our operation is, is that we're bringing people to the game and enjoying it.
0: That's awesome. Thank you, Matt, for, for sharing that. And I've had the pleasure of, of uh, working alongside one of them. And, and uh, you've definitely, you know, did a lot and prepared him for that position he's currently in today. Wade, what about yourself? What would be one of your proudest moments in your tenure at Royal Mayfair?
2: Well, I think it goes back to people like Matt said I'm proud of the fact I mean career wise I'll get to something but I'm proud of the fact that we've managed to have returning 70% return rate of staff people that have stayed with us for years and still in school you know they've done that four or five years and then they've hit their career and I just there's so many good people I've worked with at Mayfair and I'm proud of that because you know Ashley and I and Eric before as my assistant we're leaders but we're not leaders in the job in a sense we're leaders to have these people come in and be successful and to do the job that's out there I don't have to do everything even though I want to sometimes um, because I have the skill set to do everything but it's that's not my job anymore my job is to take these people lead them out there and let them perform and uh, that's what mayfair that's why mayfair is the success it is yeah i'm at the i'm there and my mechanics there and we have the management team there but these kids and seniors it's everybody through the demographics they're the reason and it's the same with matt i believe they're the reason mayfair is what it is we have the resources but the people are sitting on that equipment and they're listening to us talk about our vision for the golf course and they are the ones doing it and if the members are i I believe they're pretty happy with the product and i know they are based on feedback and surveys yeah i led the charge but they did the work and that's what i'm proud of smart kids retired people that came in understood our vision and made it happen so i'm I'm proud of that and uh, you know always agronomically hosting that uh, 2013 we were we were great i mean not having anybody walk around your golf course drive carts or beat it up for a week couple of weeks place looks pretty special and i had people tell me this year even though we were living under the heat dome like man it was it was just like 2013. yeah you know, i'm a little i'm a little well i don't agree with that but i was happy to hear it because uh, we were really struggling with trying to keep turf alive in spots but that's what I'm proud of is the people and the product and I always look back on my first 10 years at Mayfair as the, the highlight of my career because I'm going to hopefully have a longer one and we'll see what happens in the future. I, I can't wait for the clubhouse and I can't wait to see what is coming down the line for the golf course and Matt's area too. I mean this, this teaching he's talking about and the kids and our practice area is jammed it's jam for a reason it's the future of the game yep yep oh that's that's fantastic
0: and and i hope our our viewers have have taken a few things away in regards to you know communication some retention um before i get in there matt's got his hand up like we're in (laughs) grade three here so please allow me to 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 pass it back to matt i know anything he's got to say is valuable and uh, very important so
1: well i think a little bit of the point of this podcast was talk about professional or golf pro superintendent relationship. And we all talk around having a beer, we, we tell war stories about, you know, our superintendent and how we interact it. You know what I think is really important is, is when I said respect or when we said respect, I think when they're making the call of a frost delay or uh, venting the greens or whatever it may be, it's their world we're living in and, and they're experts for a reason and we're just like the members, we actually don't know what necessarily is behind that decision and we have to support it because we're, we're the Pied Piper, we're the one that's going to explain that to the members and yes, we might take some flack for them, great. They, they make us look great 99% of the time. Couldn't agree more. So I think um, any advice I'd give is respect your superintendent, respect their decision making, try to establish a relationship any way you can with them and uh, then the respect will go both ways, and and they'll get you out of jam once in a while when you need it as well.
2: Yeah, I I appreciate the support from Matt on anything I do. I mean, you know, sometimes he'll raise his eyebrow, but we'll scrap it out a bit. But what I really appreciate is his staff. Like Casey is a good example. He just, no, that's Wade said this is it. So to have his guys back up what Matt and I are talking about, means the world to me and Ashley. It helps us so much. And, you know, they're taking flack up at that first tee sometimes, but Casey and uh, the other guys, whatever. (laughs) Just, they understand the game and that we're all playing here.
1: Now, when you're able to deliver a product, you get credibility. So if, if, you know, if the product is good, you're gonna get credibility. I joke all the time that Wade walks on water out there. It's actually disgusting how the members treat him, treat him so well. Um, anyways so that's all I'm saying is is you know you respect somebody that de- delivers and, and
0: uh, absolutely like you know my relationship over the years with with Rob Byer the last few and Glenn Griffiths RJ Coluche they came in and, and said Troy it's 10 o'clock I don't go back and say hey, can we do 930 yeah. I've got 230 people in the t-sheet you know our team will, will work and if they say it's 10 we're going at 10 half the time I'll, go in and I'll, I'll let them know what time do you want to go at like doesn't matter how busy we are what is a safe appropriate time for you and your staff to get out prepare the golf course make sure there's no frost get everything done provide a world-class product for everybody and whatever that time is I'm hundred percent ten percent all in that's kind of as you alluded to our job is is to communicate that on to you know condition or educate the way I like to say it educate those guests or members that this is their world They're experts in it and this is what's going to happen and I have found over the years uh, in Jasper um, sticking with that 50% less are are asking for that extra half hour they hear it they see the email they kind of leave it as is right because you we've educated them um, with what it needs to take place to ensure that not only your, your staff can get out there and get done what they need to get done but they can do it safely and and the turf is also
2: you know yeah. top priority I, i'm gonna jump in just a quick second yeah absolutely. it's a two-way street too sometimes i will bend for matt um it i have to ashley's a little you know she doesn't see the the, the the entire picture or she may be upset about something but i've talked to matt and look we need to bend a little like it doesn't happen very often but uh that kind of mad asked for stuff there's a gray area and i have to go you know what it's not the, it's not the end of the world well, we all it's understand
1: who who the product's for yeah so members. at the end of the day what's best for the members or the golfers is is what's best for all of us um so yep. yeah uh, and and i i everybody gets annoyed when their their routine gets deviated from but you know what at the end of the day it's golf and that's all it is and it's pretty nice Place lucky to be, to be in the industry yeah. that
0: we've been in the last couple Absolutely. of years with, with
1: COVID and see that growth yeah. and that popularity. Still, have, still be
0: employed, <laughs> and, exactly. Not not have to, to go on Stay serve home. or anything like yeah. that. We've been we've been very lucky and lucky in the sense that I was able to to host this podcast with with you two gentlemen today. Again, just a, an extreme tenure from from what I gather about nineteen years collectively between the two of you uh, at the Mayfair and, and hopefully another nineteen or twenty to come. Um, I look forward to getting out there playing again. Uh, perhaps seeing another event come through Mm -hmm. over the years and and again as i as i mentioned hope the viewership took a lot away in in that relationship building with your head superintendent whether you're the director of golf head professional associate and assistant understanding both sides of the of the spectrum there is is important and again gentlemen thank you very much for you know coming down from the the clubhouse or the National clubhouse there at the Mayfair and, and speak with me today and, and uh, the association here within the PGA of Alberta and, and the PGA of Canada. I've had some some people that have listened to this podcast series uh, from across the country and, and uh, very educational and, and hopefully people take uh, some things away. So thank you again uh, so very much. I uh, appreciate having you both out today.
1: Thanks Even for your work, Troy. Thanks for your time. Absolute
2: pleasure, and I really appreciate having the voice. It was very well done. Thank you.